Okay then. What's the three rules? Break it down for me. And hey, think before you answer. Oh, I got it. Always look a person in the eye. Do that to respect you better. Two words, to never be afraid to ask you for anything. Stealing isn't necessary. And last one I think was, to never respect anybody who doesn't respect you back. Is that right? Yeah. Yeah, you got it. What do you know about sex? I know a little bit. Oh, yeah? What little bit is that? I know. I take a girl, stick my thing in her, and nine months later, a baby comes out. <laughs> you think that's it? Basically, yeah. Well, remember this. Any fool with a dick can make a baby, but only a real man can raise his children. I wasn't but 17 when your mother was pregnant with you. All of my friends was dropping out of high school, hanging out on corners, in front of liquor stores, getting drunk, getting high. Some of them was robbing people. Some of them was even killing people. You remember my friend Marcus? Yeah. He got into robbing people. He wanted me to come along and join him, but I was like, nah, man. We're getting ready to have a son. I knew you was gonna be a boy. Anyway, I wanted to be somebody you could look up to. So, I guess that's why I went to Vietnam. Don't ever go in the army, Trey. Black man ain't got no place in the army. It was a brick by brick and a stone by stone. Rome wasn't built in a day, it wasn't done alone. See, the spirit is the merit and the mind is the home. It takes a whole village to get a child out this home, yes. To be a great man without good instructions, a surefire way to lead a life of destruction. Let's be honest, sit down and tune in. Put an hour of your life into some instruction. <laughs> Greetings and salutations, my beautiful souls and spirits. You already know who it is in the building today. I say it all the time, man, but it is your friendly neighborhood Aquaman slash scientist slash proliferated prospect slash philanthropist. Lottie Ali. <laughs> and you are listening to Menstruction, the place where we provide you the beneficial bricks to fortify the structure that is you incorporated. Man, please introduce yourself, man. Who are you? <coughs> I am the one who doesn't knock unless you say I can. I am that guy, this guy, maybe. You're a guy if you play your cards right. Uh, I am the imperfect, perfect Mooslam. I am monster, uh, Aussies. I don't hear my co-host, the soul brother of the West, Waladi Ali. And today we're going to talk about my favorite movie from my favorite director, Boys in the Hood. Mm. Um, do you want to... No, hey, man, I mean, I think you covered it, bro. I mean, that is, honestly, I'd say one of my favorite movies as well, you know. Um, it's definitely up there as far as um, black media, you know, I mean, African-American media that I was shown at a young age, um, minus Menace to Society, you know, lots to talk about. Absolutely. So, uh, spoiler warning for, what, 31-year-old movie? 30-year-old, 31-year-old movie, I think, about to come out in the summer. So a 31-year-old movie, what, 30, what, 22, yeah, 31-year-old movie, uh, came out in 1991, July, I believe, it did a whole paper on it, but July, I believe, in 1991, um, yeah, so spoiler warning, if you haven't seen it, please watch it before listening to the episode, uh, it's a cornerstone of media, not just black media or urban media of media and movies in general uh mm. cornerstone of the 90s cornerstone of the of just in general um and check out other john singleton works poetic justice rosewood um 
I love Too Fast, Too Furious. It's my favorite fun movie. Uh, it's the best out of the trilogy, Fight Me. Uh, but yeah, so John Singleton wrote uh, Summer of 1984 as a prompt for his USC application, which turns into the feature script known as Boys in the Hood, which he wrote at his time at USC as an undergraduate student. Uh, um, it was produced by Stephen, I think it's Nicolaitis or Nicolades. Uh, human pronunciation. He was a veteran producer, and he aided John in making it. Uh, he was quoted as saying that the film basically got better, and they actually filmed in order, which is very rare for a film. Uh, they actually filmed in order for most parts, and it, like he said, the film gets better as they filmed, and in reality, the film gets better as it goes along, climaxing, and one of the most famous deaths on screen. Spoilers: uh, someone dies. <laughs> you heard Rick A. This is this movie. Um, uh, John was the first black director to be nominated for Best Director uh, for an Oscar. Uh, and he was the youngest director to be nominated for an Oscar. Uh, he was, what, like, it's like 24, I think, when he got nominated or something. Some, some crazy nonsense. Like, he was in his early 20s. Like, he's basically around our age, I think. But I think 24 when he got nominated. It's, it's insane. But he's around our age, 23, 24. Um... I think he was mad he didn't get it. I mean, I get it, but I'm like, look, I'd be happy with the nomination, to be honest. Absolutely. Hey, man. I mean, that's yeah. impressive as it is. You know, uh, you know, Roger Ebert loved it. He gave it far for um, it made a lot of money. It didn't, it didn't have a, it had a very small budget, and it, and it made a lot. It was like, what, like, like a million dollars or something? Something, like, real small. Like, for that, I think at that time, it was like a million dollar budget or something. It made, like, 30, 40 million, something like that. Uh, I, get, I can get the numbers again, but... Um, it now New Jack City is considered like the kind of the godfather of like the urban genre, but Boys in Hood really spearheaded it, and it showed white Hollywood that black people go to see movies, and that this urban hood, whatever you want to call it, genre is profitable. So it paved mm. the way for um his next film, Poetic Justice, right, and then Menace to Society, South Central, um, Juice, uh. You know, you name it. All those other urban hood genre movies that came out throughout the 90s and into the early 2000s were because of Boys in the Hood. Boys in the Hood was like, oh, we can make money off of this. That's crazy. And so, like, black directors and black writers were able to kind of showcase in in varying results uh, mm-hmm. a part of the hood, whether it be New York, you know, South Central, and other places. Right. Uh, and... The film launched the careers of a lot of people. We're talking about, um, it's funny, John Singleton says that he casted, well, I think he casted Morris Chestnut and Trey, and uh, Cuba Gooding Jr. as Trey, because they, they're the ones that showed up. Like, they showed up first. Wow. Like, they showed up first. Like, they were the first to show up. Um, fun fact, we'll get to this point. Um, the shirt he wears, the famous black and yellow shirt, he wore that to the audition. And John Singleton wrote that in the script because he got it from the Fox and Mall. Because John was like, I, "It looks like you got it from the Fox and Mall." Cuba Gooding Jr. said, "Yeah, I did." And so he wrote that into the script. Um, Ice Cube was always supposed to be Doughboy. John was like hammering Ice Cube at concerts at a Farrakhan rally, like, "Yo, you gotta be my movie, you gotta be my movie." He was this little PA person, like, "Yo, like you my little PA." Uh, he was a PA on Pee Wee's Playhouse where Lawrence Fishburne was in the late '80s, and he said, "Lawrence Fishburne, like." You're the goat. What are you doing? And Lord Super said, "Bro, I gotta eat like you know, apocalypse now was a minute ago." And like, I look, man, like early me was like, "Come on, man!" Like he's doing bitch stuff, but he's like, "Man, I got, stuff. I, got I got, I got money, man. I got you know, I got bills." Uh, and you know, Angela Bassett was theater. Um, she was doing bit roles here and there, but she wasn't really known like that. So he he launched like careers of like veteran actors and young actors. So after that, you know, Lawrence Fishburne got deep cover in Lawrence Fishburne and uh, Angela Bassett went on to be in What's Love Got to Do With It a couple years later, right? Cuba Gooden Jr., right? Uh, Jerry Maguire, it was not A Few Good Men. What, 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 what was that? Was he in A Few Good Men? Was he in few? Remember, the, it was something about the Navy people and something with the Navy he was in. It was a good movie. I forget what it's called. But he got, yeah, it's a good movie. He, he a, I think he, uh, Cuba Gooden Jr. won the best supporting actor for Jerry Maguire. Um, you got Neil Long as Brandy. And then, you know, fun fact, end of the movie, Trey and Brandy go to Morris and Spellman. That was my first time when I watched it that I ever knew about Morris and Spellman. Really? Um, yeah. I didn't know what that was at all until I saw that in the movie. Yeah, you know, you know what's crazy about that, man? 
I've seen that movie a bunch of times, you know what I mean, in my youth, before I even went to Morehouse, right? Mm. But I was watching it, you know, with a young lady um, in my dorm room. And when that had came on, bro, I had pointed and said, oh, they went to Morehouse to Spellman. Swear to God, being at Morehouse was literally my first acknowledgement that they went to Morehouse to Spellman. So, yeah, I'm behind. I'm, you know, I had to catch up a little bit, man. <laughs> I'm dead. That's what's up. Um, we got Neil Long. You got, um, yeah, and Ice Cube, man. Like, literally, John Sing- Ice Cube said John Singleton inspired, made him, like, he's the reason Friday got started because Ice Cube wanted to get in the movies and write, and John Singleton was like, do it, bro. And he basically, like, helped Ice Cube, and, like, he motivated him to do Friday and, like, be in movies. So it's like, John Singleton put people on the map, the movie put people on the map, and it started this whole genre, man. So, like, you got your Omar Epps, you got your Tupac's, right? Above the rim, right? You got Tupac's, you got Omar Epps, right? And then he and then he got Tyra Banks in Higher Learning, right? He put Tyra yeah. Banks in Higher Learning. Um, you got Michael Rappenport in Higher Learning, too. Like, he just, it was a ripple effect, right? These wow. movies became what they were because they laid the groundwork of Boys in the Hood. And it's just, it's just, and it's just a good movie. But yeah, man, I mean, I can go by. I wrote an essay about it. You can read articles. Uh, people have talked about the impact of Boys in the Hood. Um, look up the 30 year anniversary, like the 20th anniversary, the 20th anniversary before John Singleton, rest in peace, passed away. Uh, it's on YouTube, but the cast comes back together. Like, it's a great process. It, it was like a, a real interesting process. Like, Ice Cube got in beef with real gang members. So they had to shoot in a different location. I remember that. Okay. Like it's yeah. it was a real deal. Um and oh, yeah. Another fun fact. No, I got you. Say I got you in a fun fact now. Man, the old boy who uh who shot Ricky, you know what I mean? I had watched a little bit of a documentary about him, man, and it turns out, you know what I mean, he started to take the role outside of um Boys in the Hood, you know what I mean? Took it out into the streets, I believe he became either Crip or Blood, but he started being becoming, you know what I mean, get involved in gang affiliations, you know. Um started you know moving real bad moving real in character you know what i mean and um the roles that he started to receive man they became less and less man he started to become a problem on set i don't recall the dude's name lloyd know, avery the second lloyd avery the second i'm not recalling anything new to you apparently <laughs> so yes and that happened and unfortunately he, he um you know he, he killed you know, he, he killed some people, yep, yep, and then he got killed in prison, from what I recall. I, I thought he just got murdered on the street, but I know he got murdered. <clears throat> yeah, but whatever it is, man, you know, um, these these movies definitely are impactful, you know what I mean? Um, like you just said, to the outside careers and to the inside careers of people. Um, I think one thing that I was running through my mind when you were talking about its effect on future generations of in-the-hood types of movies is, you know, some of them have success, some of them don't have success. I'm unable to quote the ones that don't have success in particular, but I just think about the uh, the genre or the topic of it being tasteful, you know, and not a glorification, you know, rather, rather I'd rather it be a retelling, you know what I mean, of this is what's going on, or this is what we've been through, or this is what's currently going on, than, you know, the glorification similar to, you know, saying, you know, yeah, I got the biggest guns, you know what I mean, yeah, I'm from here, this is, you know, it's, I mean, that's just something that it came to mind. Like, how do you do these movies in a way that's not like making a mockery of us, you know? It's like, yeah, this is what we are, and this is what we love that we are. You feel me? Well, I get it, and that's a great point. Um, John had, was quoted by saying that, like, he had gang members said they were crying in the theater, like, yo, you showed my life. Like, thank you. Right. Um, right. So, yeah, like, that was the whole point. John showed a underrepresented 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 uh part of society and he did it in a way that balanced it and he didn't chastise people he was showing it for what it is and we'll go into it later but there's different scenes where john is talking to the audience through furious which yeah, is yeah of course Sloan Trishford and other people we're gonna talk about that we're gonna talk about that um the whole gentrification speech was an amazing scene Right in in another movie, I'm like, come on, <laughs> are you serious? Like, yo, did you stop and do the more you know? Yeah, literally, <laughs> come on now, man. Shoot, bro. When when Furious start within the movie, man, you listen. You know, and what's interesting about that as well, I think of him because my father, you know what I mean, spoke to me through Furious. 
And let mm. me let me explain that before we talk about the movie. You know, mm. so when I was younger, I'd say maybe like four or five around that age, and we were sitting down watching Boys in the Hood together. You know, he would point out the things that Furious had made Trey do. So you know, you see him, you know, asking him, "Yo, you know, I pay the rent. You know, you take out the trash, you cut the grass. Don't ask no questions." And even the gentrification scene, or when they went fishing, you feel mm. me? He pointed those scenes out and said, "This is what a father is. This is how this should be." You mm. feel me? This is the things that I do for you. You know, because you know, and not only he said because I watched this movie, but because I had that type of role model in my life. So I say all that to say, man, in a way, I feel like Fury is acting like a father figure to a lot of not even young black men, but black women as well. I mean, I guess specifically back black men, but right. just a father figure in, in media in general. You feel me? No, yeah, he definitely was for me. I mean, I, I, I wish I had Furious as my dad. Like, I really was just like, damn, like, I wish I could have that open, honest conversation when he tells Trey, like, any fool with a dick could be a father, but it takes, oh. no, any, yeah, any dick with a, no, any fool with a dick can have a kid, but it takes a real man to be a father, take care of his kid. And I was like, wow, that's so deep. It's like, that's real talk. Uh, <laughs> yeah, right. It's real talk, man. Like, um, but yeah, we'll get into that. Um, and definitely on a separate occasion, we'll deep dive and like this, this whole. There's a lot of masculinity stuff in this that's like real positive, um, yeah. And and it's and it's balanced with the negativity. And we'll get into a little bit about this, but we're gonna really maintain that brotherhood stuff. So let's get into it. The let's movie uh, begins with the uh, the Lady Liberty meet. I forget what that thing is called, but you know the lady with the jaw. It's like Lady Liberty, Liberty, but I forget the company. The, was it TriStar? Maybe it's oh, no, yeah. it's TriStar. I think it's TriStar because she did that, and it is it TriStar. But everybody, most movies got the li- li- TriStar the unicorn. Yeah. No, you're right about the that. Pegasus. But everybody had to, okay, and you hear brothers having a dispute, and then it ends with a, mm-hmm. a drive-by, and then you the first thing you see is a red stop sign. It says stop. Mm-hmm. Now, right, it's his first film. Like, you know, it's subtle-ish, but not too subtle. But it's basically like what the movie's about: stop the violence. Nice. Stop killing your brothers. So he, he, he literally, you see a red stop sign. It's like that's the theme. Wow. Stop. Wow. That's how the movie opens, and uh, it starts in 1984. Uh, and Trey and some of like his friends are like walking. I think they either walking to school or walking from school. Oh, you gonna see that? But yeah, they got the foot. They got the football, right? No, 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 no. That's not till later. Not till later. This is the first. This is the very first scene. Okay. This is when. This is when they do. They go. To, this is the first dead body. There's two. There's two dead bodies. This one is just with Trey and his his friends. When he live with his mom. Cause remember, he moves to South Central right. or another part. Crenshaw. Like he, I think, I think they live on Crenshaw. But they move. He moves to another part right. of South Central uh, to live with his father later. So he goes there, um, and he's with his people. And then, like one of the kids show him a dead body. You see bullet holes and posters for Reagan, which is also a nice touch. Wow. Uh, I really like that. Um, and there's a dead body just laying there. And yeah. it's like, you want to see it? Like, touch it and all that. And the girl's like, ha. And then Trey's just looking at it like, damn. And it's, it's a black kid. So, like, he's young. Like, what? Like, maybe this was seven years. What was it? Like, 18. He's like I'm 12, 12, 13. Or whatever. Yeah. And he's just looking at a dead body. And so, off the bat, we see how desensitized mm-hmm. you are to death. Mm-hmm. And in crime, right? The crimes is a crime scene they're looking at, but no one picked up the body. Come on now, bro. Nobody picked up, picked up the vibes either, man. This is something along the lines of, you know what I mean? You want to go see this cool stick I found? You want to go see this, you know, little bird? You feel me? That's the equivalent. And no, that the, the, the talk about the sensitization within that first scene, the first scene in the movie, first scene. very, no, very uh, apparent. <laughs> yeah, first scene. Uh, then maybe I'll clip that in. But yeah. I, if I recall it right, they I think they come upon it. Yeah, I think they come upon it, and they're like, "Yo, let's check it out" or whatever. Like they're walking, uh, and then later on, Trey's in class, and this white woman is <clears throat> teaching them about history and stuff like that. And yeah. you see the different drawings of the kids, and a lot of them are like helicopters, cops killing their brothers and them. And so you see how the kids are viewing their environment. And I thought that's another great, um, another great touch that John did in the production designer. I was like, wow, like if you again, like there's so many details I can do this forever. Uh, and what? yeah, 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 man. I was, again, everybody rewatch it, and I, maybe I could, but it's just, um, yeah. And so 
the teacher's talking about different worlds and then like they get to Africa and then Trey's like mm-hmm. Trey's like messing around. Like, you know, he's messing yeah. around with his boy. And it's like Trey you wanna teach it and Trey just spits knowledge. Yeah, Africa, he's actually the first man was discovered in Africa and all that. Yep. And it's like, and I'm, boy in the back. right. And then I'm yeah. African. And he's like, man, I ain't no African. And, boot scratcher, scratcher, like, yeah. Yeah. and then, and then they get into a tussle. <laughs> and so that's the first kind of instance we see of brotherhood or friendship. And in this one, Trey is associated with this guy, but Trey is knowledgeable. And the other brother really isn't knowledgeable as Trey. And so that's foreshadowing to the fact that the dissidents, the difference between him and Ricky and Doughboy. Good point. And we see the conflict, which there will be conflict later on, between Trey's mm. knowledge and Ricky and Doughboy's lack of knowledge and mm. lack of parental instruction. So, you know, that's not really brotherly, right? Their argument, their fight, which leads uh, Angela Bassett to be like, you're going to have to go live with your father. I can't teach you how to be a man. Yeah. You, you, we, we promise not to fight. And so uh, Angela Bassett takes... Trey, it's a, it's a really poignant, it's a sad scene. Uh, it was almost me, too. I almost got shipped off to Baltimore. So when I watched it, it was a very like pivotal time. I was kind of like imaginable to be like. And so he drops him off at Lawrence Fishburne, a.k.a. Fury Styles' house. And Furious and Angela talk it out. And he's like, look, I'm going to take care of him. He's my son, too. Right? So they're, they've been divorced for a while, but they're still working together, which is a rare thing you'll see in films, especially this genre. Two parents, one. The two parents that are separated, but they're still working together. There isn't like, I got you pregnant or this and that, right? Uh, and Furious mentions later that when he got Trey's mom pregnant, that he joined the army because he thought that's what he was supposed to do to get his life together. Mm. Uh, but what, what we'll learn later and talk about later is that uh, he believes that a black man has no place in the white man's army. Which, Come on. But we'll talk yeah. about that later, which is, <laughs> which well, you know, I know people that serve and things of that nature, and I get it. Do what you want to do. Um, but you know, it's, it, it, this isn't a political show, but yeah, I mean, that's, that's a, that's a, that's a strong point to make. Um, I don't disagree entirely. Um, but yeah, so mm-hmm. Trey is like, keeps looking at Doughboy and Ricky and I forget, oh, Chris, 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 because yep. Chris with the curly hair and yep. he's like, the pacifier. Yeah. yeah, 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 Chris is yep. end up with the passive, no, no, Chris no. is in the wheelchair. Chris is with Chris will grow up to be in the wheelchair. Yeah. Okay. I'm you got pretty it. Pretty sure. I'm pretty yeah. sure. Yeah. 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 Because yeah. the yeah. other two guys, either he, they he meets them in prison. Yeah. I think the other the pacifier, and the other dude, they I think Doughboy meets them in prison. I'm not mistaken. Yeah. No, no. You're right. Yeah. But no. 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 Chris. Chris is the guy that ends up in the wheelchair because they call him like, well, I got a wheel, little Chris. So it's like, yeah. yeah. So, okay. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So they. Uh, Trey gets out the car and he's talking to them and during this sequence uh, it's the first establishing of the mother of Ricky and Doughboy how she treats them yes so uh, phenomenal actress I forget her name but phenomenal actress by the way Um, and uh, we also learn later that Doughboy as younger says that like it's because uh, she likes his daddy more like he he says that like I she, do remember that like, yeah man, she's and like his daddy more like you know what I'm saying very subtle yeah um, which is another thing that like the odds are stacked against these brothers right they have to look out for each other and they're not of the same father and the mother doesn't let them forget that um, which is a continuing strain of their relationship till the end yes, um, yeah so she yells at Doughboy uh, and then she like really smiles with, uh, with, she loves Trey, right? She smiles at him because she also <laughs> likes Furious, which is, is like a little funny subplot. Yeah. Um, and yeah, she's like yelling at Doughboy, like the first, that we're inside. And like, she just berating Doughboy, like, da da just like your no good father, just berate, she's smoking, right? All that. Like, you know, stereotypical, like, you know, hood stuff, right? Like the, the whole clothes she got on, she's just yelling at Doughboy, yelling at Doughboy. And she's like, uh, don't get the jersey messed up. And then, like, she pats Ricky and kisses him and brings the ball, like... And then she reminds him, like, you're gonna be a star one day, which is another thing where it's, like, the only way to get out is through sports, not through your smarts. Come on. <laughs> oh, that's, yeah, that's a great point, actually. Yeah. Yeah. 
<laughs> we'll talk about later. I mean, I get it. So many divisions. So they uh, they get together outside. They say, what's up, Trey? It's like, so you're not going to be here for no summer no more. It's like, nah, man, I'm staring. My dad's like, all right, bet. And so him, and so it's it's young Trey, little Chris, Doughboy, and Ricky. They start walking. And then Chris is like, you want to see a dead body? And so they see this dead body, right? And it's just rotting away. It's like, dang, man, what about I clean this up? And I think Chris is like, man, nobody cares, man. Like, and they poking it with sticks and all that. So then, right, again, brothers together, they're collectively desensitized to <gasps> death. As brothers, right? They're collectively desensitized to death of one another in a sense. But we'll get to the point where it's like, the closer you are to somebody, the more impactful death is. Because in reality, yes, they're black and they're brothers or whatever, but it's like, that's not my brother. Right. So until right. the death or stuff hits close to them, they don't act or feel any type of way from it. Yeah, no, it's just proximity. You know what I mean? Like, we here because we got to be here. Exactly. So they run into these older kids and... <laughs> yeah. <laughs> hey, man, that dude, man, that dude is so cool, man. <laughs> Say, man, pass me the ball, man. I'm dead. I'll pass it back to you, man. Thanks. It takes that, man. Let me, let me, let me holler at the people real quick, man. <laughs> so they walk in afterwards, mind their business, man. Thanks, Cuz. Yo, dog. Yeah, let's go. Throw the ball. Man, you stupid. Don't have no sense. Told you not to bring that ball. Wait till I tell mama. Man, shut up. I don't care. Tell mama. Not leaving? Hell no. Hey, give me my brother's ball back. I said, give me my brother's ball back. Before what? What's your fat ass going to do? Hey, yo, Rock, get a little nigga the ball back. Stupid motherfucker. I was going to give it to you, too. Football. I never use it much though. I'll give it to you when we get home. Man, he ain't gonna want it. His daddy gave him that ball. I wish I could kill that motherfucker. father gave him the ball right and so doughboy's like don't throw the ball because doughboy again we see that that younger that you know we talked about sharing them last time right that older brother got to look out got to be able to understand things doughboy's older so he's not as that innocent as ricky so we can kind of gather i don't know who his father was or what happened before but doughboy knows when ricky's he's like yo they're not gonna give your ball back recognize that yeah but ricky's like nah, man like ricky's just like this little Little kid, they throws it, and it's like, "Bang, sucker!" And then they walk away. <laughs> it's just, bro. This... Yeah, bro, man, you got punk. Yeah, man. punk like, bro. It is Jack, man. Cause like, look at that. You know what I mean? Look at this, the example. Cause we already seen what the uh, female role models can look like. You know what I mean? And the only male role model that we've seen up to this point was Furious, right? So I mean, look at the look how the eldest 
of the Community Act, or you know what I mean, the older adolescents. You mean boys had to be about 18, 20. Right. Taking also 12 year olds, man. Took that shit. It was a group of them too. So I mean, you know, you're gonna talk about brotherhood again. We're young black men. You know what I mean? There's no accountability of I mean, little man. Actually, hold up, wait. No, nah, wasn't there somebody who said make him the ball back? We're gonna get to that because the yeah, two yeah, is the leader is the skinny, <laughs> this skinny guy with a ball fade, and then there's like a little heavier guy right. uh with a do-rag. Yeah. And so we'll get to that. So that we'll get so it's like and you made a good point. The the preying on the youth, the preying on the innocent, how we're preying on each other, which again is the theme. Think think come on, come on get up think, there. Think Mark. Think, think Mark. Think Mark. Come on. Think. <laughs> What do you have? I have you, Dad. That shit makes me cry. I swear. I was watching that. I was watching that shit for my film. I'm crying. This shit was so goddamn sad. Oh my god. I have. I have you, Dad. J.K. Simmons killed. I swear. J.K. Simmons murder. Shilly Bali, Shilly Whoa. Same. Any movie J.K. Simmons, any media J.K. Simmons is a part of is amazing, bro. It's top tier. Inline, Invincible, and Sam Raimi Spider-Man. Sam Raimi Spider-Man and the new Spider-Man killed it as Fox News Jake as uh, Fox News of Jake Jonah Jameson. Really? You I ever seen that. a new story? You ever seen a new stuff? You talking about No Way Home, right? Yeah. I don't remember him in No Way Home. Exactly. He was, he was Fox. He was Fox News. What? <laughs> He was at the he was at like the he's at the end of it and then he was in Far From Home. You saw Far From Home, right? That was that was that with uh Falcon? Falcon guy, Eagle. Oh he, oh I'm way back. You talking about <laughs> Civil War? About, what are you Y'all talking about Peter Parker trying to take Shorty out to the high school homecoming Come on, Vulture? Holy <laughs> crap. There we, go. we gotta stop, bro. Don't disrespect one of the best Spider Man. What? This, huh? He's part of Sinister Six. Most part of Sinister Six. You said the best. I said one oh. of like the most notorious or best villains. Not the best. Relax. Oh, you said villain. Yeah, villain. Oh, movies. Oh, no, no, movie. no, 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 no. Spider-Man: Homecoming is perfect. I, I, I love that movie. It, it's probably, probably, it's, it's. If you, if you, if you say that over Spider-Man Two, I don't blame you. Like, I, I won't fight yeah. you on that. Like okay. I won't fight you. Spider Man Two is best place in my heart, but I think the best, just pure Spider Man, like pure Spider Man Homecoming. Just I'm not even the, mad at that. The purity yeah. of Spider Man. You, do, yeah, I, I'm not really mad at that. Yeah. When it comes to when it comes to old boy, I forgot Tom Holland. Tom Holland. You know I mean? That was a perfect recasting. Perfect. Like you know, unfortunately, Andrew Garfield got the short end of the stick, man. But you yeah. know, what I mean? Tom Holland has endless business. Yeah. But back to being the H yeah. man, yeah. boys in the hood, brother. Right. Son, go ahead. <laughs> so. So basically, Doughboy's like, I told you not to get the damn ball, and they're walking away. But then Doughboy has the inner conflict of like, I'm his older brother. So characterization, right? Doughboy yeah. believes that the only way to, to to move in this world is violence. So yeah. he kicks the guy in his shin and tries to fight him, but he gets not get punched and kicked yeah. in the stomach. Ugh! And they walk that. away with the chubby guy in the do rag is like, look, bro, get a little. I don't know. He, he's like, hey, little man. And the guy gives the ball back. And the guy's like, man, what the heck? He's like, man, it kids. Like, whatever. What's so, that? So, I was about to ask you. Yeah. This will be the last time I saw yeah, you. What's that, one, what's that one NFL commercial, man, where he, he throws, boy, boy, throws his uh, jersey? It's a dude. You know what I'm talking about. Oh, my gosh. Man, he throw, he's, he's a black NFL player, man. This was like way back, maybe filmed in the 90s or something, bro. He did throws his jersey. That was this little boy, his jersey. Man, I'm going to find that. I'm going to find it. Wait, man. throws it? I don't know about throwing it. The only you know thing I know about. about, I know, hey, I don't, yeah, you got to find it. I don't. That's all right. That's all right. Let's, let's keep talking. <laughs> yeah, I don't, yeah. Uh, yeah, so Ricky gets the ball back and Doughboy's like, man, I, I told you not to. Ricky's happy. But again, we see Doughboy takes the hits. Yeah. Ricky, Four. Yeah, going to come back later. Yep. Brotherhood. We see that the older brother takes the licks for the younger brother. Oh, I'm starting to see the similar tools, man. Okay. Right. Let's keep going. So, so brotherhood. This is brotherhood. Brotherhood. Now, and, and I take back the point that I made earlier, you know, upon this new realization, you know what I mean, that we just had, bro. There was accountability within the group. You know what I mean? The group. Yeah, that group. But the ironic part is that the older, I mean, again, again, and that, oh, yeah, the, 
one of the guys like, all right, man, like, come on. And so foreshadowing what Trey is going to be for the ignorance. Yes, yes, that's a great point as well. Yeah, yeah, bro. And it and um, I was gonna say as well, man. That was after you know what I mean. Doughboy got slammed and everything. He's yeah, like, yeah, getting the ball back. You know what I mean. That shit could have been prevented. You know, so the level of accountability is lacking, but in a way, just like Trey, it's still there. So yeah, let's keep it going. Yeah, but also another point: the older kid should have been like, "Relax, like don't fight me." But instead, he beat up this little minor. Oh. You're not my brother. I don't give a, I don't care about your skin. Get out of here. Man, I had a similar interaction like that when I was younger, man. Man, you know, I don't think I've ever told you, man. <laughs> but, man, I used to, you know, I used to, I'm not saying get in fights, but I used to get in fights, you know. I, I definitely, yeah, fisticuffs, man. You feel me? When I was that, when I was younger, bro, um, you know, I'd always try to <laughs> fight the older kids, man, or, you know, and I always get my ass whipped. Definitely, we have to cut the ass part out. Man, I think that I got you. I got you. Way, you. I got you. I got you. It definitely resonated with me as well. You know what I mean? And again, unlocked a new memory, bro. I used to, you know, I used to really not anger issues, man. But I think it was kind of self worth. You know, what I mean, trying to prove something. You know, to whoever I was with, whether it's my dad or my brothers around me, my cousins who are around me, because I was the oldest at the time. You know, my older older cousins were away. You know, they was out in college, high school, and all that type of stuff. Well, I was, you know, fighting for no reason. You know, and they would defend me, yeah, bro. But if somebody on my side got disrespected, I would be the first one to be like, yeah, what's up? You know. So Boys in the Hood definitely had an effect on me too, in a way, where I'm looking like, wow. Okay. <clears throat> I mean that makes sense. Yeah. I think in the broader spectrum, again the theme is that all they know is to deal with dis uh, with disagreements in violence. You feel there me? is no Sir, I would like to reclaim the ball my brother had. <laughs> Sir, please. Could we could we come to a gentleman's agreement about the time and place of turning up the ball, please? I live at 64 Crenshaw F. If you would turn the ball to my boat at uh at a time before sunset, I would greatly appreciate it. Good sir. Hey yo, cut! I will give you a ball, you you, you mark ass. Yep. <laughs> Sir, please. Yeah, it's like, yo, hey, yo, blood. What this sling bag motherfucker talking about? Huh? Get out of here. Hey, hey, yo, son, you on the wrong turf, you know me? Oh, <laughs> you be lucky I just took the ball or I take your life. <laughs> All right. That's crazy. That's crazy. That's crazy. Not going back there. That's crazy. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's, and it's still a problem today. It's like, there isn't, like you said, like, we need more outlets. That's why people need you know start boxing, start running, start exercising. That's why after school activities are great. We never see them at an after school activity. They no, don't, we don't have no clubs. Like we never see them at a club, which you know, I can kind of speculate. That's another kind of like subtext of there's no program for them to do. There's no right. camp for them to go to. Nothing to spend their time with. So that's why they're looking at their bodies and they're doing this. It's like all they gotta do is just chill around in their neighborhood. There's nothing constructive for them to do. And that's why Shrey is better because his father gives him stuff to do and makes him do stuff. But the Ricky and Doughboy's mom is like, whatever. Right? She cares about Ricky a little bit more. But it's like, we see that. Um, So, yeah. So, that's it. So, they... uh... Alright. I'm going to go through that and then I got to flash back because I missed something. So, we're going to go through that. So... Um, some some stuff happens in between, right? Like, you know, Furious and Trey spend time with each other, but that's another thing. We're getting to active. Uh, we're getting to end of Act One, which mm-hmm. is basically what basically which is one of the most pivotal points of the movie is the arrest of Doughboy and Chris. Yeah, yeah, the arrest yeah. Of Doughboy and Chris is one yeah. of the most pivotal points in the movie. Which ends Act One, which is the plot point at the end of Act One that pushes us into seven years later, which is when most of the film takes place. Exactly before the time skip. Yes, little little dudes got arrested in middle school. Yes, I remember that. Uh, 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 I I want okay. So uh, they they uh, uh, they come back. 
no, I, no, they come back and then I think if I'm correct. I gotta probably do it. And then, I think they come back. No, no, they come back and then we cut to uh, Furious and Trey at fishing. And then it's like, ooh, yeah. They, then we cut to them fishing because. Yeah. Because, um, all right, so backtrack. The night that Trey uh, is at Furious, how Furious tells him about chores and stuff like that. Maybe I'll clip that in. But that night, someone breaks into the house. Right. And it's, yep, I remember that. And it's played like horror. One of the best suspenseful scenes. Shout out to Charles D. Mills, who's a cinematographer in the film. There's a great shot where the faucet is just dripping, and you keep hearing the faucet dripping. And the Stanley Clark, not the Stanley Clark, uh, great musician and does great movie stuff. Uh, he, the title track of this film is Black on Black Crime, literally. Uh, yes, it is. Phone. And he has a great, yes. he's a jazz. So the, the, I love that track. the score is building up, and the guy's sneaking in the house, and Dre can't sleep, so he goes to uh, the bathroom. And then yeah. Lawrence Furious is like, ah, ah, ah. Then he gets the gun, and then he sees the guy, and then he blasts it. Trey's like, oh, shit. Yeah. Yeah. Got it. Like, I... <laughs> oh, come on, man. From what I remember, you can, you can check me, man. But, yeah. you know, he fires some shots, man. Some of them are in the door. And I think yeah. Trey asked, like, man, did you hit him? You know, and it was like, from what I remember, it was Furious's attention not to hit him. Is that right? Uh, well... <sighs> He he was aiming to get him, but he was like, "I didn't want to. I don't want to kill him. Like killing. He's like, there why did you smoke that fool? And man, I wish you smoked that fool. Right. But Furious is like, this is another. And we'll clip this in. This is another brother dead. Like I don't want to kill another brother. And so again, he's imparting to Trey this wisdom, which his people lack. Is Ricky and Dope, especially Doughboy, lack, which is not to. Which will come in later. Which will come, we will talk about that later. Good sir. <laughs> we, will, we will talk about that later. Huh? We we talk about that don't do later, that. Huh? Don't do that. Sir, like that. Oh, I gotta say, the video my boy sent me the video of my first, like, real, real impression when I came back from Morehouse. He got the whole thing. I said, Bro, I've been looking for that. That's crazy, bro. That whole joint is like, it's like, it, it, it is legendary. Um, so yeah, so. Uh, and then we have the racist black cop, which has become somewhat of a trope, but he's just another form of Uncle Tom. Like, and we yeah. can talk about this later in our, on our other podcast. But there's two great books. But Donald Donald Bogle or Bugle, um, he's like a movie historian and critic, but he has a book called Mammies, Coons, Bucks, Toms, and like Mulattoes, which are basically the stereotypes in a lot of black films. And so he goes from the earliest of films. Into like the and like latest stuff in Django and stuff, and still points out these different versions of the original stereotype, just then from slavery and minstrel shows and stuff like that. And so, um, so the 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 black cop, the racist black cop, is just another version of the Uncle Tom. It's a kind of a a morphing of the Buck, which is like the aggressive black male, right? Right. And then the Uncle Tom, which is the quote-unquote sellout, but it's that morphing because this guy isn't meekly. He's the aggressive one. The white cop doesn't do anything for real. He's the one yes, that aggresses. Exactly. Right? So uh, the cops show up after 24 hours and uh, <laughs> Yuri's and Trey are sitting there and the cop's like, you know, what happened, whatever, and the black cop is like, you know, it's too bad you didn't get it. Be one less nigga out here in the streets we have to worry about. And then he looks yeah, at his, yeah. and, he, and then like he's like, "What's up, kid?" To Trey, and Trey's like, "Fuck out of here!" And if you're just like, "Yo, like, can we hurry up?" Like to my my boy inside, he's like, "Don't talk to me." Or like the black cop just no connection, which is the entire point. When the black cop will come later too. But again, right. John Singleton said he experienced something just like that. He said he experienced a racist cop that was black just like that, and that's why he put it in the film straight out of Compton. When they were before before they record, fuck the police. It was on the ground. Yeah, they got mm -hmm. and the black cop was leading it. Come on, man. Which Come is on, another dog. thing, right? Mm -hmm. We'll get about that later. We we'll have a cop on or something one day. But Come that on. brotherhood, it's the blue, not the black, baby. Come on, Ooh. for some people. Now, I love now that. you yeah. know, but hey, you know, it, it, yeah. of course, not everybody. 
I mean, everybody, say, of course. Yeah, of course, not everybody. You know what I mean? When we talk about stereotypes or, you know what I mean, people on this podcast, you know, we're talking about a select group of people exactly. you know what I mean, who may share the same qualities, but definitely not everybody. But that also, you know what I mean, when you want to talk about pecking order, you know what I mean, or hierarchy, you know what I mean? Say government, police, you. <laughs> you know what I mean? And definitely, you know, the government don't give a damn about you. Nope. Just like you said, them opening shots with Reagan, you know what I mean? And everything, you know, we already know what happened with Reagan. <laughs> Man, so that, <laughs> yep. <laughs> and moving down to the police, I mean, you can't even trust the police force, not only just the police force, but the police that look just like you, mm. who should have a similitude of what you're going through, but more often than not, most likely don't because they're not from that same neighborhood. Come on, man. I'm sure old boy living in the hills, coming down to see what's going on in South Central. You feel me? And can't relate. You know what I mean? Even with the difference in proximity, just can't relate. And that's even with the people, I'm talking about government, police, you, even the people, you know what I mean, middle class, whatever you want to call it, don't relate to each other. Right? So there's a disconnect through not only just the community, but humanity or even the race as a whole, our race as a whole. No matter what you're wearing, you know what I mean? There's a tank top, white tee, no shirt, got on blue, blue collar, you know what I mean? There is a disconnect. So, I mean, that's a, that's just a great point that I thought of. No, no, you, you're right. And, it, and again, it goes back to our first episode of this uh, saga, which is what is brotherhood, right? That fellowship of the organization. So, is the fellowship organization over... Other people outside the exclusion of organization. It goes back to the exclusion of organization, the fraternity mm. of the police department. Mm. Mm. Exclude your race, exclude your possibly your exclude your gender. Excludes you know, it, it makes you it uh like nineteen eighty four, you're a you're a you're a force of nature. You are one. You, there is no uh, characteristics about you. You are one, right? Yes. Yes, you are part of the whole. You serve what the whole, you know what I mean? Not even what the whole needs or represents, because if that was the case, things would look much different. But you support an ideal that you might not even support, but you're told it's for the betterment of the whole, man. We could talk about I mean, countries and communities that already act like that. Mm. And I ain't gonna say nothing, but right. you know, it's yeah. still very active to this day of you are just an ant of the colony you need to support this right here, whether or not you believe in it. Mm. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, and then we can, we can kind of think about what was his life like? Was it before the Academy? He was racist. Was he racist in the Academy or does he have to be racist because he has to be tougher and prove that he's a police officer to his white counterparts. And there we go. And that's a good one too, man. Respectability politics, man. Like who are you trying to impress? What are you trying to impress? Oh, God. Oh, man. Nah, we <laughs> Done. Done. <laughs> ding, 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 You're a little too deep, man. Damn, Chase going to be mad at us, man. He got to shut down man's structure. Right, 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 right. <laughs> what, what, what are they talking about now? <laughs> you going to get the, the fake FBI call, the fake Washington, D.C. call that you get? Uh, the feds are going to be at your location very soon. What? No, 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 no. I just wanted to watch this little anime on this website. No, 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 no. Nah, it's going to be subtler than that, man. So it's gonna, we're going to get an email when we try to upload this video and be like, yo, man, we couldn't we couldn't upload it for you, man. The uh, the DB is too high. You know what I mean? Oh, my goodness. Yo. It's a second over the ascribed length. Oh, we couldn't upload this. We're in, in retort, we're going to actually shut down the whole instruction. Sorry. All right. Uh, according to your records... Uh, you don't have enough episodes. What? <laughs> Why do you think we're recording more? <laughs> right, right, right. Uh, trying to upload them. You hear me? What they say, doing an internship, man? Oh, you need about five years of experience in this field. Huh? <laughs> hey, bro, I know you want to work in films. There's an angular position, but in order to be a production assistant, which is the bottom, you have to be at the bottom for six years. I just was born. <laughs> I just got here. You want me to work underage? With, uh, what? You want me to work since I was six? Get out of here. I was in the seventh grade working on a movie set, bro. I really, like, what are you talking I was go to college, right? Oh, have a bachelor's degree and five years of experience. 
What was the point of my bachelor's degree? If I didn't have my bachelor's degree, I could be one year removed from the five year experience you want. Is that, is that concurrent or is that separate? <laughs> like, yeah, exactly. Hey, bro, get experience while you're in college. Okay, that's fair. Anything you did in college is a bum. You're a bum. You're an educated bum. No one cares about you. Nobody wants you. We're gonna throw you in the garbage. But feel free to wear your college t-shirt. Unbelievable. What guess it's a whole no, other thing. Cause I'm really mad. Cause I'm, <laughs> I really want fist to cuss with everybody. But it's, I just I really want to fight everybody right now. Just come on, come on, come on. As a as a brother, as a good representation representation of brotherhood. I'm going to suggest against that. There's <laughs> <laughs> a, a better way, Ricky. There's a better way, though, boy. Oh, you ain't got to solve it with violence. <laughs> no, I'm just going to do it in Saints Row 2. Because that's what I'm going to do. It's going to play Saints Row 2. And I'm going to and I'm going to take over. See, I'm, I'm obviously a terrible brother, man. Why don't you got Saints Row 3, man? What are we doing? I never played it at all. I just I just downloaded the 2 because everybody's like, 2 is great. So I just, I just started to play 2. Because my cousin played Saints Row and I never got into Saints Row. So... The uh, two was on the game pass, so I was like, "All right, let me just start with two. Um, I like it. It's pretty. It's pretty cool. Like, it reminds me a lot of Mafia, which I just played 100 percent of Mafia Three, which is pretty good. Like, it was like a movie. It was more of an interact. Like, so Mafia games are more like interactive movies instead of video games. But Mafia Three was straight. I bang with it. So it reminds me of that taking over territory. It's like GTA meets Mafia, taking over territory. You can do whatever you want. Store stuff in garage. You got to gain respect to do certain things. Like it's interesting. So I've just been doing like some side missions, and um, you know, I made my character. I'm just doing my thing. Like it's it's not bad. It's like a nice little thing I can get involved in. Um, I'm taking a break. I got to finish the Tomb Raider trilogy. I I got to finish the last one, but I'm just like, let me just play something real quick. Let me start playing it. Like it's just something I can play and not get too crazy on it. Cause I, I hadn't played my Xbox in like a long time, so I just played it the other day. Cause I was just like, I need to play it. So. I was like, let me just start something and not get too crazy. Because Tomb Raider, I'm in it to win it, man. Like, all the collectibles and the story. and it's, oh, God. Things where I was like, all right, story's there, but I could just have fun with it. But, nah, I just never played it before. So, I just said, all right, well, two's on it. He's got rave reviews. Everybody loves it. So, I'm like, all right. You know. Okay. All right. Answer my question. Well, sure. Man, was that was that the end of Act 1? No. Or we miss one? No. Uh, we're going to finish... But, oh yeah, so back to the races like up. Uh we'll clip that in. Um then they get another call and he's basically like Oh, the black cops like have a good day or whatever or you know, they basically write it down but nothing's gonna happen. Like they're not gonna find a guy, whatever, whatever. Um and as foreshadowing because later on another dispatch call is what saves Trey and Ricky from the black cop when they're older. So, mm-hmm. literally, this one, they leave because they got another call. And, again, another call will save Trey and Ricky, which is another good idea. It's a good example of foreshadowing in this. Um, so, yeah, that happened the first night. So, let's go back to uh, at the end of Act 1. So, yeah, Trey and his father go fishing, and it's a great moment, right? It's like you don't see that a lot, right? Like, he will fishing one, and then it's all beautiful. He showed the beautiful side of California. Right, ironically, they have to drive all the way out, but it's beautiful. And then when he says, "Right, only you know, any fool with a dick can be a have a kid," he's gonna be the father. Uh, Furious talks about how he thought about joining the army, but then he says, "Oh, white man, uh, black man has no place in white man's army." And he does a whole bunch of other stuff. And he talk about sex and stuff like that. It's real funny. It's cute. And on the way back, ooh, child, things are gonna get easier. Ooh, child, things get brighter, and they're dry. <laughs> you can disrespect this stuff, man. I'm not, I'm not just no, no. You see, what you need to be disrespecting is that one, is that one Tupac song, man. Um, at the end of every every movie, man, you know what I'm talking about. Oh, oh, you talking about changes? That's just the way it is. I'm a black movie. I have narration all the time. They narrate everything. God, every urban hood movie has narration, bro. Oh, most of them. This one doesn't, which is just funny. This one doesn't. I don't think. Does Juice have it? Narration. 
I think Juice doesn't have it either. I know Menace does. Yes. Yeah, most most of the movies, but that's yeah, but uh, I don't. I never seen Poetic yet, so I don't know if that has Me either. Wow. Okay. All right. So. Okay. We're both in that boat. We we'll 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 get on that because they there's some brotherhood in that between Tupac and Regina King's boyfriend. Like they they have like there's like a thing going on with them um, because of the way he treats Regina King. So it's like an ancient dynamic. Um, but yeah, so as Trey and Furious are driving back, listening to Ooh Child by the Five Stars, or Stan, I forget the, the Five Stars, I think. Uh, ironically, you see Chris and um, Doughboy getting arrested. Uh, and we learned that they were shoplifting again, but they got called shoplifting, and the mom's like yelling at Doughboy and basically like, forget it. Like, I think she's like, just like, take him, do what he wants. She doesn't even care. Much. You know, we'll clip this in. And so, I think Furious makes a remark. I- I- I'll clip it in if he does. And then, it's just Trey looking at them, and then they pull in the house. And then, seven years later, I forgot to mention, we're not really covering movie, but um, when Trey first gets there, he sees Brandy. Cool. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Side so note. Most of these kids look nothing like, like they ignored color, they ignored oh, looks yeah. because, because Trey and Cowboy go from dark skin to light skin. They do, they do, yeah. And they, yeah. nothing, no one says anything. Yeah. And I thought it was interesting. Like, one thing is like, don't look like anybody. But I'm like, we're just gonna straight up ignore the color, like. Ricky's the only one that looks like like they got the great kid, right haircut, hey. right complexion. Like yo, oh, they're a completely different shade. <laughs> I get that hey. you cast them first and the kid, but I'm just like yeah, you couldn't find kids that, that look like them. <laughs> what the heck? You said that was what about eighty four, eighty five, right? When it when it takes place, uh, okay. you know, when it takes place, yeah. yeah uh, but yeah, so. We see Chris and Doughboy get arrested. Uh, and, yeah, so that's that's where we will stop for today. Um, God willing, tomorrow we'll finish. If not, we'll definitely try to cover Act 2. Um, I'll, I'll brush up on the movie just to make sure I don't forget anything. There's a lot of stuff that happens in Act 2, a lot of good stuff. Um, like I said, Brandy's introduced, which is Neil Long's character, who, again, is light-skinned. Neil Long is a beautiful chocolate uh, queen. Um, and yeah, so, uh, act two, it's a time jump. Uh, we, we will, we will see what happened to Trey, what happened to Ricky, what happened to Doughboy in a span of seven years, right? Doughboy's a little older, Ricky and Trey are both seniors in high school with Brandy, and we're going to see what happens with the meat of the movie, what Blake Snyder calls the fun and games, the promise of the premise. Uh, and we'll see, has South Central gotten better? No. Uh, we'll see how it's gotten worse, and we'll get to see gangs and other stuff. So, uh, yeah, thank you for listening. Uh, thank you for being patient in our diversions and divots. Uh, <laughs> we do our best to keep these things natural. This is definitely uh, more of our lax episodes. Um, and if you kind of like that, we, we'll, we'll feel fine to do that. Well, I knows I hate writing so. A, you know, down and well, I doesn't want to write stuff down either. Um, you know, we just got to make sure it's good for the homie. So, yeah, think about it. Uh, again, rewatch Boys in the Hood, or if you just want to rewatch Act One and watch the rest later, it's fine with me. Um, yeah, any, or any, I was about to say, if it's your first time viewing, which is, you know, I mean, highly probable, but hopefully yeah. unlikely. Right. <laughs> 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 Were you, gonna, were you about to say something about that? <laughs> I was like, I hope not. But uh, unfor- unfortunately, this is your first time viewing the film. Uh, yeah, I hope you guys enjoy uh, anything we forgot. Like, leave a leave a comment or whatever. Just hit us up. Like, we forgot a certain scene. We'll, we'll, we'll you know, just mention it. Uh, and, yeah, um, think about uh, Brotherhood in Media. Keep a lookout for Brotherhood in Media. Uh, if you guys have any recommendations 
uh, for us. Um, if you like this kind of style of reviewing film and talking about it, we can do it. It's not a movie review channel per se, but we could definitely kind of look at masculinity and stuff in, in media. I have no problem with that. You know, I'm a writing director. Well, I is an artist, so we don't have a problem with that, and we get to watch movies. So, you know, um, there's no problem with that. Um, and, uh, yeah, so stay tuned for the next episode. Where we're going to dive deep into Act 2, hopefully Act 3 of Boys in the Hood. And, yeah, so Willati, take us out. For sure. Well, as always, this has been another episode of Menstruction, the place where the men of today build the structures for the men of tomorrow. I and we love each and every one of you. Peace. Oh, yeah. Yeah, buddy.